There shouldn't be any secrets between friends, Jake. I do want to be your friend. Do something. All right. We'll tell you the truth. I'm listening. We weren't supposed to divulge this, but since you left us no choice, we're working for Starfleet Intelligence. Oh, no. Forget about it, Nock. We have to tell him. We're investigating the man whose picture is in your hand right now. Until yesterday, that man, one Willie Mays, did not exist in any historical documents. Then, in the blink of an eye, that card appeared on the station. And at that same moment, a bust of Willie Mays appeared at the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. There's only one explanation. We suspect that this man is from the future. A time traveler. That's right. And so far, that card is the only link we have to him. We must find out what he's planning to do in the past what he may have done already. We need that card. The entire future of the galaxy may depend on us tracking down Willie Mays and stopping him. I believe you. You do? Yes. That is, I believe, your first story. That you're two innocent boys trying to give a gift to Captain Sisko. You're very wise. Welcome, everyone, to Deep Space Pride, a gay Star Trek podcast. I am one of your hosts, and with me is Mike Thurlow. Mike, you're yeah. here with me. I am here with you, and I'm here with you, Johnson Lee. You didn't even introduce yourself. Oh, did I not? <laughs> so you did oh. not. You totally skipped out. You didn't say Oh, anything. I didn't say what my name was? No. Oh, I didn't realize that. Well, yeah. I'm one of your hosts, Johnson, <laughs> and with me is Mike. <laughs> We are here live doing another episode yes. on uh, Underappreciated Deep Space Nine. Yes, we are here. And for those of you that may have listened to our last recording, you know that we uh, did some pre-recording because as of this moment, if you are listening, <laughs> uh, Mike and Dennis are on vacation yes. in Hawaii slash Napa. Yeah, I think it's this- two weeks away. Yeah, we'll still be in Hawaii for the, when this episode drops. Yes. yes. So we decided to record a little bit earlier, bank some episodes, um, so that Mike wouldn't have to focus too much on recording and editing during his time off. So uh, it is currently today. <laughs> it is currently today. It is, <laughs> it is July. Today. It is July fifth today. Yeah. Um, so hopefully this will. Um, 
still this will stand the test of time for the next few weeks and <laughs> i don't know no, hopefully nothing crazy happens between now and then that would make this recording awkward or anything like that i don't think so i mean deep space nine has been out for 25 years <laughs> i think it'll be fine um yeah and, yeah and, and we'll, well we can't talk about any current events no current news no no current news yeah because uh, this needs this this episode needs to whether it be uh posted on july 21st or you know december 31st it should stand the test of time that way yeah absolutely yeah. and it's uh yeah it's talking about a great episode yeah uh why are you looking at me weird Oh, I don't know. No, oh. I'm not. no. Okay, you're like I've, you're like staring at me with no, your. No, I was thinking how are we with your dead how eyes. Are gonna, how are we gonna transition into well, this? <laughs> well, first we want to start with um, I don't know what we want to call it. Is it our? Um, it's no longer our pride prompt because by this point pride is long over. So right. it's kind of just our episode prompt. Yeah, um, just, where we just wanted to chat a little bit before we actually dive into the episode. Yeah. Um, and this week we wanted to just talk about. Um, what ship would you want to captain if you were a captain? I guess that's somewhat that's somewhat yeah. along the lines of the question that you came up with, Mike. Yeah. So yeah, why don't you start? So if you're able to captain a starship, um, what would it be? Well, my my favorite starship has always been the uh, refit of the Enterprise NCC one seven zero one. Okay. Uh, I just love that. I mean, the, the A is not t- terribly dissimilar. Yeah, like it. so the motion picture one. Yeah, the motion okay. picture one has always been my favorite Enterprise. Uh, even though when when uh, Next Generation first came out, the Enterprise D was incredibly futuristic mm-hmm. and, and pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, uh, this week we're talking about In the Cards. And I after I watched In the Cards, I actually watched call to arms which is the finale season finale of season five Mm -hmm. and uh you know you get at the end of that episode you get to see the defiant and the klingon martok ship join Mm -hmm. the fleet right right and i just had fun looking at all the different starships that they had in there yeah Uh, i you know one of the things that would be great is uh if they ever made a high definition version of deep space nine to see those scenes would be amazing. With all well, the in ships. a documentary, they did um, re- remember they transitioned to height and to HD, a few like a few scenes, yeah, like a few yeah. of the battle scenes. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, but it was cool to see all the starships. But uh, obviously, the the Enterprise refit was not part of that. That was no, that was definitely too old, and they were long retired. But there were obviously the Excelsiors were still there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just always really liked that ship. And it just, it, uh, you know, I, I, even, even as much as I, and I, so much so that I think that the way that they designed the Enterprise and Discovery was very similar and also um, looked really great. So I wouldn't mind actually being, you know, captaining the Pikes Enterprise from the Discovery era. So it definitely looks more futuristic than the old, like the. Yeah, you know, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it it really does. They did a really nice job with that re, that uh, bridge mm-hmm. on the Enterprise. So yeah, it's still so, all the primary colors and yeah, you know. still very colorful. Uh, but you know, yeah. Now that we're talking about this, I sort of really do like that <laughs> that version <laughs> of the Enterprise as well. Um, but yeah, that would you know, and and one thing I loved about the um, 
Pike's Enterprise from Discovery is that they have like that the corridor behind the bridge. Like you, you could almost like, and maybe there are bathrooms back there. I don't know what's actually behind them because oh. when you come onto the bridge mm-hmm. and and that there's definitely corridors before you get. So speaking of arrows, rewatching JJ J. J. Star Trek. Yeah, in yeah. two thousand nine. Yeah. Um, Last night, because oh, wow. Netflix knows me, uh-huh. and, <laughs> and, it, was and it was suggested, yes. and I was like, yes, yes. oh, <laughs> why not? Yeah. And very similar. So there's like, you don't take a, you can take a turbo lift to the bridge, but then there's also just a corridor that leads directly onto the bridge as well, which I'd never really noticed before, but oh. there is. Like, you, you can literally just run, because there's a scene when... Kirk um, is running to the bridge to tell them that it was the Narada because it was oh, after, right. yeah, yeah the whole Lord's reaction that whole you know yeah, that whole yeah. scene and he um, McCoy and Uhura are running and he's trying to make it to the bridge right. and he doesn't take the trouble to the bridge he literally they're like they're, they're running run down the corridor and yeah. just run into the bridge That's and right. I never really noticed that and I was like wait a minute what is this whole area behind the bridge um, that. You know, you, because usually it's just a turbo lift and right, yeah. to, to do duck one. Yeah. Um, so that was also interesting because that was the first time I noticed it. Yeah. And Discovery sort of takes that off as well a little bit, you know, with the uh, the ready room is sort of, mm-hmm. off of off of that. And then the eventual conference room or the, or is it the same thing? I don't remember. But the ready yeah. room is sort of... The, but I don't think there's this huge... Literally, there's like huge a corridor. huge section. Yeah. There looks like it looks like there's like other yeah. rooms or something. Yeah, but do you remember in the middle of the JJ Enterprise that court, like when they're in the middle, it happens. I think it's in Beyond, maybe. Uh-huh. Uh Or I forget which 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 uh, movie it was in, but you're in this circular area where all of the you can see all the levels up. It's like this big open. It's like you're in a hotel and the at, you're in the atrium and they're hanging on oh. as the. Oh, it's Into Darkness. Remember. Do you oh, remember, I don't remember. In, yeah, Into Darkness. Uh, remember when uh, Chekhov is, and Kirk are hanging on as the ship loses balance and goes into the atmosphere? I think that's the scene. I'm no, I don't remember. I oh, need to yeah. rewatch. It's been a while. Yeah, so uh, there's definitely this, this central corridor that is sort of like a hotel atrium. Which is weird, and and I almost think that the 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 st- like the circular part is almost like the Guggenheim, or is it the Guggenheim that does the yeah, circular? Yeah, uh-huh. something like that. So, um, so I think there might you know there are different access points to each level. Maybe they ran up all of these circles, and it was just easier. Who mm-hmm. knows? Depending yeah. on, I mean, they were coming from some weird place in communications. That I, I don't. I don't yeah. know. I, Again, I, it would be nice to see some cross sections of like all yeah, these shifts, which they can't what, do because yeah. they've totally blown out all of these perspectives and yeah. just uh, they've sort of fit the sets, whatever locations they've chosen for the sets into the the ship itself. Yeah, it, it makes like, no whatever. sense. Like um, even in the JJ one, you know, one of the bigger criticisms about the new. Enterprise is the engine room, like which is like oh, a boiler yeah. room. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. it's this massive, massive space. Yeah. And I'm like, where does this fit? Like, <laughs> yeah, where, exactly. Where does that fit? And um, yeah, so where does it fit? And oh, what's happening? Oh, sorry, the, the computer became unplugged. Um, oh. Yeah, it's just. And I think they were, they made that in a refinery, like a yeah, beer I refinery so. or mm-hmm. something like that. So yeah. 
definitely a, a weird time. But going back to the Enterprise, the so there are three versions of the Enterprise, but I think right. for me, it would definitely be the Refit and then Pike's Enterprise from Discovery. Those are both beautiful ships. Um, so I'd, I'd want to captain one of those. Okay. What about you? I mean, I think... I gotta go with the Enterprise D. I was good. Uh, yeah, I thought you would. I'm yeah. like, yeah. I, I need like top of the line luxury. <laughs> it, it is. It's like a luxury line. I want basically. all the amenities. Yeah. You know. Um. So that you know, like I was thinking about this, and yeah, I think that the um, the JJ reboot of the Enterprise and also the new Enterprise from Discovery. Those are pretty nice ships, but. There's nothing as easy on the eyes as the Enterprise D. It's it's a luxury liner. It's majestic. It's comfortable. Um, you know, no like glaring lights like there are on the JJ Enterprise. Yeah, no, a lot of no very lens, bright lights. No lens flares. Yeah, very. It's very bright. Well, except for the reflection of the lights from seasons one and two when they the oh the, was so, like the, the lighting on the set yeah was so it was bad. so bad yeah so. Um, yeah, I, I gotta go with the Enterprise D. Oh, it's still, it's still, yeah. it's still one of my favorite ships. Yeah. Um, it's just like so well designed, aesthetically pleasing, um, and there's just a lot of space. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely different. The Enterprise E sort of falls back into the like. It's more militaristic. Yeah, yeah. But that definitely. was also its um, purpose, right? Yeah. Well, wasn't it, is it a military or is it more of an exploration, like a deep space I thought space it was. Um, I thought it was similar to the Defiant, where it was meant to potentially like um, repel a board invasion. Or something oh, okay. Like that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. There's there really is no ship like the Enterprise D. I mean, it's no. they they never designed a similar ship. I mean, they sort of went backwards when they created the Ambassador class. These make it more, they're just more um, compact, I think. More compact, more utilitarian. Yeah. Versus the Enterprise D, which is just, I don't know. Yeah, it's large. I mean, a thousand crew people. It's massive, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, separates nicely into two parts. Mm-hmm. It, when it needs to. Yeah. Although, you know, as, as, a, as a ship that separates, I, you know, I think while the Enterprise D does that nicely, uh, the Prometheus does it even better. Uh, the Prometheus from Voyager? Yes, the, the uh, tri-vector. Yes, 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 the Prometheus, yeah, that yes. One, that separates nicely, but, but yeah. From no. Message in a Bottle. Correct. Correct, yes. Okay. Yep, Message in a Bottle. Correct. Yes. Uh, yes. A great episode. That was, that was cool. That was a, a great episode minus Andy Dick or whatever his name which is. Which I, li- I liked him. Uh, yeah, he was all right in the episode. Yeah. Um, yes. You can get by him. <laughs> But the Prometheus also had, um, as we recall, the sets. It was very, it was very enterprise. It was a this, um, I would say, this hybrid between Voyager and Enterprise D. Yeah. Like the set colors is more beigey, if we recall. Um, even like sick bay. Do you remember beigey? But also like this uh, blue that is kind of. There's some beige, some blue. So that's why it's like yeah. a marrying between yeah. the Enterprise D, which was a lot of beige. Like very neutral colors yeah. in, in the corridors. Yeah. Um, but then the gray slash blue of Voyager. So it was yeah. like this this mix in between. Yeah, which I it thought, definitely was. A, um, yeah. It was interesting, and to me, it looked more um, it looked more comfortable than Voyager because yeah. Voyager has this like because of the colors, it feels colder. Um, it's also like, a smaller ship. It's also like, Voyager. Yes, yes. I mean, this is a big ship that breaks up into three 
attack ships basically yeah. i mean yeah very that was that was cool yeah um yeah but cool. the enterprise d is a great ship yeah yeah I, I, I yeah that's a nice choice uh, yes 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 yeah. yeah some some great ships and uh yeah, hopefully we'll get to see some more in, or you know, there, we have yet to see what the interiors of any of the thirty second century ships look like. Uh, I know. So that would be cool to uh, to see. Hopefully, in this season of uh, season four of Discovery. Cool. So I think that about does it for our discussion when it comes to some of our favorite ships in star trek and yeah. the ones that we want to command yeah so why don't we get into our underappreciated ds9 episode of the week all right sounds good come on knock no why not it's my money jake if you want to bid at the auction use your own money i'm human i don't have any money it's not my fault your species decided to abandon currency-based economics in favor of some philosophy of self-enhancement hey watch it there's nothing wrong with our philosophy we work to better ourselves and the rest of humanity what does that mean exactly it means it means we don't need money well if you don't need money then you certainly don't need mine so this was kind of my pick, but it was technically it was technically your pick. But I made a suggestion, and you were too busy to even like I was, look was, at other options. It was too. It was a. I mean, I did scroll through. I mean, obviously, in the cards is a great episode, and I I, I do think that people kind of overlook it as we get to call to arms, right? Uh, yeah, you know, it's sort certainly. Uh, shadowed by that episode right 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 yeah there's a lot of other things going on in season five obviously um but this was definitely this as the penultimate episode um i you know i really liked it it was like a moment of levity between before things get super serious definitely yeah yeah so mike since you have it up do you want to read the episode synopsis are you going with netflix again i am because this one actually does it fairly well Uh, Hearing that Quark plans to auction off antiquities that include a vintage Willie Mays baseball card, Jake decides to obtain the card for his father. And the part part about that, you know, why he wants to get it for his father is shown to us in the opening scene where everybody is so depressed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and so it's actually kind of funny how you see that at the beginning and then you see Cisco talking at the end about how suddenly morale has picked up and the whole reason of all of that is yeah. because of this whole story about uh jake and nog trying to get this willie mays baseball card yeah it was, it was great so what did you think about this episode i mean i enjoyed it i enjoyed uh you know i think one of the things that deep space nine does really well is the pairings of, of characters and uh you know we talked last week about Kira and Dukat. Mm-hmm. This week we're talking about Jake and Nog. I just think they really did this well in, in Deep Space Nine overall. I think that um, when they have these episodes that basically just show the interaction of two of their main characters or a main character and a not main character in both these cases actually because technically Jake Sisko was uh, one of the top billers and, and Nog wasn't uh, Aaron Eisenberg but uh, who sadly isn't with us any longer mm. um, 
But I think uh, this is just another example of how well they can, if they focus enough on two characters, they can write a really awesome episode. Yeah. And, and obviously we have the addition of what's going on with Bajor and and the treaty. We have Kai Wynn thrown in here just for shits and giggles. <laughs> uh, I really. love Kai Wynn. Uh, I know you do. And I, you know, I, I'm like, I'm like Cisco, like. I would rather be in any other place in the universe than in the presence of Kai Wynn. But here she's like not as... She actually does yeah. respect him and yeah. the em- as the emissary. And he he actually does utilize that title in this episode. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the sense that he approaches giving them advice from both perspectives and what's best for them. So yeah, I do agree that... She's not, you know, super evil, but I think that just knowing what we know about her, you know, her piety is inauthentic. Right. Uh, and I think that that's what bothers me the most about Kai Wen. But this really, that's the B story. That's really this whole idea of the treaty or non-aggression pact with the, the Dominion and, and Bajor, uh, which comes to fruition in the next episode. Mm-hmm is really the, you know, kind of the sub story. It's like setting up the finale next week. Uh, But the adventure that Nog and Jake go on, and I love it that, you know, Nog is, you know, Nog has squirreled away five bars of latinum. (laughs) And it's under his bed, which is kind of funny that, uh, you know, that uh, Cork says, you know, realizes it under his bed. And then he says it and he's like, oh, you know, if you know where it is, oh gosh, like I better hide it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love how Jake convinces Nog to use this money. And the way that he does it is that he plays on Nog's uh, predilection to want to please Captain Sisko. Right. It was a, a total guilt trip. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that that's what I enjoyed. One of the scenes that I enjoyed the most is when. Jake is sort of manipulating Nog into this very slowly, yeah, yeah. very smartly. Uh, you know, he knows how he feels about his dad. So it's just kind of funny mm. to see him play that out. So I, I really, uh, I think that that's one of the more enjoyable scenes of this episode. Uh, also when they meet Dr. Greer or when he invites them to the, to his quarters. Geiger. Geiger. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I couldn't think of his name. Uh, so I wrote down Greer. Um, but Geiger, I was like, this whole scene and how it plays out and they're like, this guy's crazy. Yeah. But yeah. We, yeah, we both agree that he is. It's just like, there's a lot of comedic touches to this. It is like you said, lighthearted, but it's also like, it's, it's, it's sort of like a little, it's not a mini heist, but it's sort of it's like kind that, of a little bit. It's yeah. got that like element of being a heist. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, and, and just the way they go back and forth and like, this guy's crazy, but yeah, we need that card. So yeah. we'll do, we'll do it. Um, so there's that piece. And then suddenly, you know, things, when they get him some of the parts and like he powers up more things, that's when the Jem'Hadar and Wayun become interested in what's going on here, which is sort of like left ambiguous at the end of the episode. Like what happens to all of that doesn't, you know, you don't know what happens to it. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of those, uh, you know, foregone conclusions that, mm-hmm. you know, they must have taken it. I mean, it's clearly not on Deep Space Nine anymore. It's on the Gemini ship. Uh, 
Um, so yeah, it's just it's just a really fun episode and really enjoyable and, and seeing them go throughout the station and, and help out the rest of the crew in order to get all of these little pieces and parts so that they can eventually get the, the baseball card. And how they get it is just kind of hilarious. It's like, so roundabout. Yeah. Yeah. Who knew that Wayun was sort of that generous to like give them the, the card at the end of the episode. So um, those are, yeah, those are some of the, the standouts for me. Um, what about you? What did you think of this episode? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I really, you chose this episode. I so. did. <laughs> I really like this episode because, um, I, you know, there are a few aspects of it that I'm a big fan of. So first of all, it kind of, and you kind of um, touched on this, but it totally reminds me of, the, the, the first of all, the A, a plot, B plot. It's very much, it reminds me of Lower Decks, the TNG episode where you have a focus on what's what would usually be the B plot, like something more silly, like, you know, I don't know. Like, there's always a joke about, like, you know, Data and Jordy go on their, like, you know, weekly hijinks or something, you know? Um, except that this is the focus of the episode. And meanwhile, you have these this big thing, at least in Lower Decks, there's this big thing in the background where it was, like, I think it was a Cardassian defector or something. Yeah, right. right. Um, in this case, it was Bajor potentially being courted by the Dominion right. to sign a non-aggression pact, mm-hmm. um, which potentially could mean, you know, Bajor eventually becoming Dominion territory. So it was like, usually that would be the A plot, but in this case, that was the B plot. Yep. And instead, the A plot was the hijinks of... Um, Jake and Nog trying to get this baseball card and everything that they do to get about, you know, to actually get get it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I really liked that that was, it's like the inverse of what we usually get. Um, and I think that the other thing that I really liked about this episode is it, again, kind of showcases the relationship between Jake and Ben Sisko, which honestly is one of, one of my favorite father-son pairings of Star Trek. Um, and we don't get that a lot. Um, we don't, yeah. I don't even remember, I don't, off the top of my head, I don't, even, I, mean, I don't know, like, um, what other ones we, like, Warf basically parent, parent, son, like, parent-child relationships. Like, yeah. we, you know, we have some of that, but this is definitely one of the most fleshed out um, parent-child relationships that we get. Yeah. In star trek and it's just like such a strong healthy relationship um where there's a single dad yeah single dad they both respect each other um as you know as two individuals and here jake is just going above and beyond to kind of just cheer up his dad um and it was just really funny because he was getting really fixated like because nog nog was like you are going crazy. You're yeah, going out yeah. of the event. The amount of how roundabout it got, the amount of lying, um, like how far they were willing to go to get this baseball card. Because I, I totally relate because sometimes I fixate on things. And sometimes when I fixate on things, like it starts to snowball a little bit. I, that can happen to me where I go to like incredible lengths to... You know, and this has happened with to get something for your fish tank. Yeah, exactly. So coral, exactly. So I've gone, you know, to great lengths. Like I'll go out to the middle of like 
Queens, like somewhere, and meet someone in a parking lot. To or get to a, get like a piece of coral, a fish or whatever. To get a piece of coral, or usually not fish, but usually it's coral. Coral, yeah. I've gone to parking lots. I've gone to people's <laughs> basements, like just to like get this, yeah, get you, like you have done some scary things to get. And um, for this. it's just funny, like you know, like and um, here it's just it, it really showcases how. I think at the end of the day, it's a little funny, but at the end of the day, it just showcases how much Jake loves his dad. Um, and I think that that is something that, because at the end, you know, Ben really appreciates it and then they hug, like, oh, like, it's so sweet, you know, like, you know, he really does, um, you know, lift his spirits at the end, like, you know. So, and inadvertently, they've lifted almost everyone else's spirits yeah. through this process. Yeah, so it was like that, like, it was kind of silly, but also feel good. Um, and I think to what you were saying earlier, you know, there's just really great comedic timing in this episode. And I think Star Trek is not, other than Lower Decks, it's not particularly funny. Right. But I think DS9 does, like, out of all, like, the series, like, the more serious, quote-unquote serious series, probably does humor the best. Yes. Um, because TNG, I don't even remember, like, that many funny episodes, really. I mean, there were a couple, but it probably was more, like, by accident than, like, really probably funny Voyager, yeah. there were a couple, like, you know, like, you know, some of the holodeck shenanigans oh, yeah, or whatever, sure, yeah. with, like, Captain Proton or whatever, yeah, you yeah. know, there was a little bit of that. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any in, like, Enterprise, maybe? It's not a ton of... Uh, not a lot, but, like, I think DS9, as serious as a, as of a show it is, of a, of a series it was, like, it was, it also just did comedic timing when they wanted to do it really well. And this is just one of those examples where, you know, like you just have like an interesting setup, eccentric characters, like Dr. Geiger, he was just like crazy. <laughs> he was crazy. Yeah. Like so weird. soulless minions of orthodoxy. Yeah. I was just like, what is happening? It was just like, you know, it was just like a good formula for just humor. Um, and actually speaking of that uh, soulless group or whatever he calls it. Soulless minions of orthodoxy. There we go. Uh I was, that was, again, one of those moments where I was like, did I, did I miss something? Is that a callback to another episode? Yeah, I don't think uh, so. I don't think, yeah, but uh, it's one of those moments where I did kind of question that, though. And his uh, cellular regeneration and entertainment chamber. Yes. Who's yeah. <laughs> just so eccentric. You die because yeah. your cells get bored of doing yeah. the same thing that they were created to do over and over, over and over again. Over. Just so bored. Yeah. It was just so... He was such a wackadoo, and I kind of just liked that. Like, he, he was, you know, this eccentric mad scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there was just, I thought there was just a lot going on in this episode. And Jadzia, though, was um, glaringly absent. Um, she was just not, for some reason, just not in this episode at all. Mm. Um, she was not at the, the senior staff dinner, and she wasn't, you know, one of the people that... Um, Jake, out, yeah, yeah, Jake and right. Nog helped out. So I, I don't know why. Maybe they maybe they couldn't fit her in or something. Yeah. Um, but this was just a great character episode. Um, it did move the overall plot forward because of the whole B plot uh, right. with the Dominion. Right, exactly. Uh, but yeah, overall I, I just really I just really enjoyed this episode because again, do, it, was just, have, it was just funny. Yeah, and we do have some. I mean, I think one of the funnier funniest scenes also is the Wayun 
like beaming them aboard and then coming in and like sitting behind the desk and like just the way that that whole thing played out and uh, Jeffrey Combs is so good in everything. He really is. He's just like he's so good. Yeah, yeah. He just call it. It's a shout out to Jeffrey Combs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it eventually does give them the card, but more importantly, like the story. Like the funny part of this is the story that Jake tells uh, Wayun. And Nog is like, "Oh my god! Like, what are yeah, we getting ourselves into?" Yeah, exactly. Nog's Poor Nog. Like, he just gets dragged into it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and also being a Starfleet cadet, uh, this potentially puts him into a lot of trouble. Right. No, I felt uh, bad for him when, when Jake, you know, when, when, well, first of all, after Jake accuses Kai Wynn of stealing and kidnapping or something like that, and Ben Sisko, like, is like, what did you guys do? And then Ben is, uh, and then Jake was like, oh, we were drunk. And then Nog was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> And then, of course, Jake had to keep everything a secret. And then uh, Ben got so mad at them, I felt really bad for Nog. Yeah, yeah. But Nog was a good friend. Yeah, you know, I think that this this also shows their friendships from the, you know, this... I love seeing a character like Nog, who has been with the series since episode one. Yeah. As a secondary character, and it's just evolved, and their friendship has really evolved through, at this point, five seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that that's one of the beauties of, you know, again, I, we say this all the time, but the, the secondary cast of Deep Space Nine is as good, if not better in some cases, than the, the main cast at times. Uh, well, it's a whole tapestry of great cast members. Yeah, it really is. You know, and I, I mean, yeah, I'm not, de- I'm not saying detrimental things against the the main cast, but I think that the main cast shines because the secondary cast was also so brilliant mm-hmm. uh, and gave them all foils and other characters to play off of yeah. that actually helped them grow their own characters. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's just another great example of of all that and. And in the end, you know, it, it does kind of, you know, it does give that example of a great father-son relationship at the end. Yeah. Where they just uh, hug it out and it does actually cheer him up. And then you hear Cisco's, I don't know if it's a log or just an overview. Yeah, it was a log. It was a log. Yeah. Um, but how everyone, you know, uh, O'Brien's going to the... His kayaking. The kayaking. What is Bashir doing? He gets his teddy bear back. Oh, he it, oh yes, he gets the teddy bear back. Um, which that that is the only creepy scene in that whole thing. Oh yeah, Nog. Nog stealing like, the stealing teddy bear from from, from Nina's Lila, above, yeah, yeah from Lila. from her uh, quarters when she's sleeping. Yeah. I was like, uh, that's a little weird. Yeah, uh, very weird. But I guess uh, yeah. So there's that. Um, what else do they do? While well, Kira gets a good speech to the oh, agricultural yeah, committee, right. Worf gets Worf's his music. opera. Yeah, that's right. His opera's fine tuned yep. to the Defiant sound speak sound system yeah. <laughs> or yes. something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's just uh, you know it's just it's great to see all of that, and you're right. It is a nice lighter episode before the penultimate or the uh, the, the finale. finale. Yeah. Which uh, brings a lot of change to to Deep Space Nine. So, yeah, great episode overall. I, I mean, I don't know. Is there anything else you can think of that you want to say about it? 
No, I mean, there's a lot going on in this episode, but um, I think we talked about most of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Great. Another, uh, I would say, again, underappreciated in the sense that it was not, yeah, call to arms or w- whatever else is in season five. There's a lot of Trials stuff. and tribulations is oh, in season yeah. five. Yeah, there's a I lot, mean, there's there's a lot, a lot in, there. in there. There's a lot in there for sure. Uh, but I also think people probably skip over in the cards. Yeah. To some extent and jump to, you know, if they're doing a rewatch, they might get a little bored with like the, the hijinks of this episode if they're kind of in that getting ready for the Dominion War type piece. Right. That's coming up in, in the finale. So, um, but yeah, definitely, uh, you know, probably less appreciated than it should be. And it's a great episode. And, and this one stands alone a little bit more than some of the yeah. other ones. Mm-hmm. This one you could jump in. And get an idea if even if you've watched the first season or parts of the first season of Deep Space Nine and you've never watched any more, you could actually watch this. Episode yeah, you, out of you order. get the gist that there's like this like war brewing. There's yep. like you know people are stressed out. Yep. Um, you don't need that much context for this one. For this one, yeah, which is which is another great reason that this is a good good episode. So awesome. Cool. Friends, please come in. Come in. Uh, sit, please. I gave the rest of the crew the evening off to recuperate, but I asked all of you here because we work most closely and have not had a moment. In fact, we have lost quite a few. Almost every culture has a ritual that gathers its moments when it can holds them dear, a time to take the measure of loved ones and what we have all accomplished together. Uh. Hmm. We made a choice a millennium ago to follow Commander Burnham. I will never forget what I heard as I stood before each of you as you cast your vote. It was not unlike a small prayer. I ask that we repeat that now. Must we really? Yes, we must. <gasps> Lieutenant Detmer, do you remember what you said? I said I. I said I. 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 I, sir. I. 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 I never said I. But. I'm here. Hi. Hi. Hi, everyone. Mike here. This past Tuesday, Star Trek Discovery Season 3 arrived on Blu-ray, DVD, and limited edition Blu-ray Steelbook, with over two hours of special features, including producer interviews, writer's logs, and behind-the-scenes moments. And you can win a copy of it along with a special Season 3 poster by checking out the post on our Instagram and Twitter pages, which is at Deep Space Pride. You have until Saturday, July 24th to enter, and we'll randomly select three winners then. Deep Space Pride was also lucky enough to receive an offer for an interview with actor Doug Jones, who plays Captain Saru. So I took the time while on vacation to speak with Doug, who is an absolute pleasure to talk with. This was a phone interview, so the quality isn't the best, and the interview cuts in just after I explained to Doug that Dennis and I had arrived the night before in Hawaii after almost 24 hours of traveling. 
I also told him that I was speaking to him on our hotel roof deck uh, overlooking Waikiki. So listen in. Waikiki Beach right now, and I'm talking to Doug Jones. So thank you so much Aww. for taking the well, time today. Well, thank you for letting me be a part of, of this lovely scenario you just painted. <laughs> <It's okay>. <laughs> <laughs> well, and first of all, I'm, I'm one of the co-hosts of Deep Space Pride, a gay Star Trek podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started this podcast, uh, we're up to episode 42, and we started it during the pandemic. And mm-hmm. um, so that's sort of been our Star Trek adventure. But what about you? How, how have you and your family and loved ones been during this pandemic time? Yeah, plotting through, you know, going through our waves of anxiety here and there, as 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 people do. But uh, but still, uh, you know, I think um, finding hope and uh, and looking to the future with with uh, with hope in our hearts that 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 uh, things will get better, and they may have been. Um, so, and, and we've been adapting. And I mean, just just the fact that uh, that we're back at work on season four of Star Trek Discovery, uh, you know with health protocols in place and, and going through some extra measures, but still getting the job done. It's like, okay, then we can continue with life. I think, I think we can. Yeah. You've been, uh, you've been, reporting, you've been out there since November or I mean, probably on and off, but no, I have been more on than off. Yeah. I, I, uh, because of the border crossing the border, you know, with the, uh, it, it was problematic during, uh, during the, COVID time. So it was just, we want you here, you stay here. So I've, I've been here for a long time. Wow. Wow. Well, um, how, how has filming been going? How, how has life been up there with the, the cast and crew? Yeah. A little different, you know, a little different this year just because of, because, you know, even when we're on set and we're all tested three times a week. And so it's kind of like that you're, you're, you're pretty safely proven that you're called negative. Uh, uh, for, uh, but, but at the same time, we still have to mask and distance. And so, and, you know, and being a cast of, of people who hug each other and who, you know, I, it's, uh, and are very, very demonstrative of, of love and affection for each other. It does, it does kind of dampen the spirit a little bit, uh, to have to keep a distance from people, uh, unless you're filming in a scene, uh, together. And then the minute that's over, you've got to mask up again. So. That's, that's been a, a little, a little, an extra step that, that hasn't been on. But by the same token, if that's how we get the job done, then, then we all, we all, we have to be okay with it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that, that's interesting that you bring that up because I, I see the Star Trek Discovery crew and and the, as a family, and that's sort of I know we're talking mm-hmm. because uh, the DVD set of season three is coming out, so. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. what, um, what do you, what part do you think Saru and yourself, uh, uh, as Doug Jones play in that family aspect of, mm. and that creation of family? Uh, you know, we've seen the crew go, go a thousand years in the future with just the 80 or so of them and, right. uh, they're forced to build a family. And, uh, how, how do you see that playing out? Or how, right. how have well, you been a part of that? Right. Well, when, uh, when Saru, when it's decided that Saru will, will be, uh, will be named captain of the Starship Discovery. And by episode three, I think we come to that conclusion. Uh, he takes on the role, not just of captain in a, uh, in a, in a, you know, uh, an official capacity, but also as a, as a father figure to the crew. He feels that way. He's, he's an emotional nurturer. And, uh, so I, I've been, I've loved that aspect of the show where, where, 
I, I look at everybody uh, as as my responsibility emotionally, as well as duty wise, um, and 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 then the, the sub families that form you know uh, with me or under uh, under my command are uh, are also lovely to watch and see um, all the relationships sprouting around the ship, uh, and with the addition of of Adira played by Blue Del Barrio, um, once Blue comes in uh, or, or Adira comes in. Uh, they they kind of get taken in by by Culver and Stamets as a little chosen family there, so there there are sub families that form, but the the whole the whole crew of of Starship Discovery is one big family, and all we have is each other. We've come to the future, like you said, uh, nine hundred thirty years ahead. We don't fit in. We have each other. We ha- all we have is each other. And we really need to rely on each other. And I think that uh, that kind of reflected the world that we're in uh, as well too. Is we've I think through through pandemic and social unrest of the last you know eighteen months, that we uh, our our chosen family, our our natural family, our our friends, those who are close to us, have become more important, and the stout has become more important. And what's re- what's important in life uh, has has risen to the top, you know. Uh, so I think that our show absolutely reflects that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting because I'm going to be talking on my podcast live. Sunday uh, with the Women at Warp IDIC podcast festival about that very subject and oh, about great, uh, great. how uh, Adira and uh, Stamets and Culber form that family, a chosen mm-hmm. family, and hopefully Gray will get to be a part of that in season four. Um, mm-hmm. What What was one of your favorite scenes or episodes from season three? <laughs> Well, season three, I, I got, I had a, a real uh, pleasure and honor and terror of uh, of Saru going into a hollow program and becoming human. Um, so I think by, by the end of the season, you'll see a couple episodes where, uh, you know, anybody, the hollow program that we walk into, everybody changes species. So that means all the humans have turned into a trill and a Vulcan and a and a and a, a Borg. And then I uh, turn into a human. So, uh, so that means that yeah. I had I had to channel all of all that was Saru into my own real face, and that was like, wow, this that felt rather exposed and rather, uh, you know, I felt rather naked. Um, I've played many humans over the years in in various uh, film and TV, but but I had never played Saru as a human, so that was a bit terrifying to me. Uh, but I think I think we pulled it off, and uh, I even had to sing a Kelpian lullaby. Uh, with my real face, which is also more, even more, <laughs> more terror. <laughs> when you've got singers on our show like Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz, who've done Broadway, and then I'm the one who has to sing for a second time right. on the show. Yeah. Really? <laughs> it's really intimidating. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because uh, there's this rumor, or I don't know, it's probably a fan created rumor that they that people want to see a musical episode of Discovery yeah. in season four. Can you shed any what? light on that, or is that is, is that fan created, or is that something that is internally being discussed as something? No, I think maybe. I, uh, I think well, I think it, it has been fan uh, suggested, but Alex Kurtzman, our our uh, one one of our our head head guys uh, that oversees the show, he um, I believe he did an interview where he said he would like to see a musical episode, perhaps maybe one of those sh- a short track again where. Where we look oh, right. into a, a, a special little episode. Uh, I think he mentioned that in an interview, and, and whether I'm not. Sure. So again, I'm, this is above my pay grade to even <laughs> even go there. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's all right. That's uh, that's. Uh, I forgot that he had he had mentioned that. That's that's yeah. awesome. Speaking of the people that you work with, like, who's your favorite director to be to work with? Well, I don't think any. Uh, you know, we we switch out directors every episode, so it's uh, we we go through so many, and we and we meet and love so many. Um, I, uh, I I I adore Lee Rose. Uh, she has she's directed several episodes over over our seasons with us. Um, and she's very efficient and very quick and very, and very smart with actors. Um, but I think every director understand, uh, of our show will understand why we all adore and love Jonathan Frakes so much. Uh, he's directed so many episodes for us. And when he comes on set, uh, not only is he a bundle of joy, just an absolute extroverted bundle of joy, um, he also gets us. I mean, he, you know, having been an actor in a, in a Star uh, Trek series himself, he understands right. everything that we're going through, and he—he, he, uh, if there's a moment that we're missing or, or that we need to to tweak our performance, he knows exactly how to get us there. He—he uh, he is absolutely brilliant with us, and I think every other director will understand why why he might be a, a favorite of ours. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Is there anything that you haven't done or that you would like to explore with Saru that you haven't done so far? Well, uh, you know, I. Uh, Ah, well, I, I, you know, I said, uh, I've said before that I would love to see maybe some romance for Saru and what form or shape would that come in? We have no idea, but, but in season three there, uh, and you'll, you'll find this out on the, on the DVD box set, (laughs) there is a a character that makes his heart go a little pitter patter. And that would be the, uh, the Vulcan president or the, the president of Navarre now, which used to be Vulcan. Right, uh, which is a Vulcan lady uh, named uh, President Tarina, and uh, so he he kind of like you can tell he tilts his head and thinks about possibilities with her, and she kind of, in her very non-emotional kind of way, might hint at a flirt back. You're not quite sure. So right, I yeah. would love I would love to see more of that uh, for him, and, and with that particular character, I think I think they're well suited for each other. We'll see where that goes. Yeah, that's, uh, I, you know, I just watched, uh, the first half of the season again in kind of preparation for possibly interviewing you, uh, or, or Anthony. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I remember seeing the, the looks, the, the chemistry <laughs> between the two of you. So yeah, yeah that's yeah. exciting. Um, well, I know we're running out of time and I, I really appreciate, uh, speaking with you today. Are you going to be in Las Vegas next month for the 55 mission, uh, 55 year uh, mission tour? I am so sad to report that I had to cancel because we are still, uh, uh, I'm still here, uh, filming, uh, the end of season four. Um, so I, I'm not going to be able to make it. I, I think, if I'm not sure, I'm not sure if Sneak with Martin Green is able to. She might be able to fly in for a day of it, but okay. the rest of us, uh, the rest of us that are currently filming can't. So, uh, which I was a bummer because because we were supposed to be done by now, but because of our stops and starts with COVID this year, uh, our season got extended a little bit. Gotcha. So, uh, or, originally, I was going to be there, and I was looking forward to it because I've, I've I've missed uh, 2019, and of course we all missed 2020. So right. uh, uh, so yeah, but dang it! But uh, there are other conventions uh, that are not Trek related, Trek specific conventions that I'll be doing this year and. In uh, Louisiana and Florida and Ohio, Indiana, Michigan. So I'll, I'll be I'll be making the rounds. Okay. All right. Well, um, yeah. My my co-host and I are going to Las Vegas for the first time, so oh, we're right. excited about that. Um, and we were hoping to meet you in person, but we'll, we'll see it for for another year, hopefully. 
Yes, and there will be um, huggles when that happens, okay? Yes, absolutely. Any And anything, um, any tidbit or anything from season four that you can tease us with? Well, uh, kind of no, since we're not even done filming it yet. But I can tell you that, um, you know, at the end of season three, uh, Cap, uh, Captain Saru kind of relinquishes his chair to Captain Burnham now. Right. Uh, yes. And then and the last time you see me uh, in the season, I am back on my home planet of Kaminar, helping young Sukal find his way with the Kelpians. So what happens from there? Uh, that's the big question is where does Saru fit in next season? Uh I had to call Michelle Paradise, our showrunner, myself to see if I was even still on the show. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you <laughs> oh my goodness, you are. <laughs> so, uh, wow. so, so she, uh, yeah, they assured me that I am, but, uh, so I still, I, uh, Starfleet does not strip one of their captain rank. So I still have captain status with Starfleet, but where do they plug me in and how and how do they utilize me? That's what's yet to be explored in season four. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe we'll see you on this. Bridge of one of those beautiful new 32nd century starships that uh, yeah. that uh, are, are are gorgeous visually from the visual effects team. Right, right, right. Well, well, it's anyone's guess. That's true. Um, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today, Doug. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, and, and I really, uh, I really look forward to meeting you in person someday in the future. Uh, me to you. I, and, and in the meantime, you enjoy that warm, balmy weather in, in, uh, in Hawaii, okay? All right, I will. Take care, Doug. <laughs> okay, big love. Bye-bye. Well, I think that about does it for this week's episode. Mike, do you want to talk a little bit about our sponsor? Sure. Uh, everybody knows that Fansets is our sponsor for the Trek Geeks Podcast Network and for Deep Space Pride. Uh, just to share a couple of new pins that came out July 1st. And there are more uh, coming out on July 15th. I think more of this uh, anniversary collection. Now, you can get the whole anniversary collection as one set, but if you only want a couple of pins, then you have to wait. They're slowly releasing them throughout uh, the summer. So July 1st, they, re- they released the 35th anniversary Star Trek Four pin and the 30th anniversary of the Undiscovered Country. Pin. Is it a, is the Star Trek Four one a whale? It is not. It is oh, it is the Klingon bird of prey. So the main feature of each of these, besides the title of the film and the number of years, is a ship. Uh, okay. So uh, they okay. do have. Uh, I want my whale. The Star Trek Beyond five year pin, which they released earlier or back in June, has the Franklin. As their their pin, as the ship on Star Trek Five, I don't remember. No, Star Trek Beyond. Oh, Star Trek Beyond. It's five years since Star Trek. Oh, I like totally misheard you. Yeah, no, no. Um, And then the original Enterprise is on the fifty-five years Star Trek anniversary pin. Okay, that makes sense. uh, Yeah, uh, absolutely. But you can get all of those, so you can buy them individually, or if you buy them all together, it becomes a seven-pin set because you get this special enterprise on a like red yellow and blue background it's actually really i like the artwork that they used for this um it's a lot of pins it is a lot of pins but it's a nice set and you can get that for 59.95 and if you use the code ds pride you can save 10 percent off of that uh and it will ship for free in the u.s right so two bonuses there but if you only like a couple of the pins 
Uh, you can get them as they slowly come out throughout the summer. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, definitely check out Fansets. Support them. They support us and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. And we thank Fansets for being our sponsor. Thanks, Fansets. Cool. All right. Well, that's another one for the books. Mike, how can our listeners find us on digital, digital mediums? Sure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Deep Space Pride, or you can send us an email. We'd love to hear from you and tell us some of your underappreciated episodes of Deep Space Nine at deepspacepride at gmail.com. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We will talk to you all soon. See you next week. Bye. Space Pride is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.